Okay, uh, this morning on the Sunday after Ascension. Ascension Day marks the moment when Jesus was taken up into heaven in full view of his disciples. And we read this in Acts chapter 1. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid them from their sight. The disciples had loads of questions. What did Jesus' unexpected resurrection mean for Israel? But God's agenda was broader than the disciples, but yet the disciples had a very important part to play. The Holy Spirit would soon give them the power to live out God's plan for their lives. The story of Jesus' ascension can feel like an ending But the theologian Tom Wright reminds us that the story continues and each of us are a part of it. Let us pray. Lord, just as you breathed on your disciples and gave them the gift of the Holy Spirit, would you breathe on us again? In this quiet of the moment, we receive your Spirit. Amen. We come now in our service to a time of confession. And as humans, we are imperfect, yet we serve a perfect God who doesn't miss a thing, who sees every aspect of our lives. So as we come to confession, we think of the things that we should have done and the things that we shouldn't have done this week. We say together, Lord God, Lord God, we have sinned against you. We have done wrong in your sight. We are sorry and repent. Have mercy on us according to your love. Wash away our wrongdoing and cleanse us from our sin. Renew a right spirit within us and restore us to the joy of your salvation Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. May the Father of all mercies cleanse us from our sins and restore us in his image to the praise and glory of his name. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. We come in our service where we look at the psalm appointed for today. And today that is Psalm 1. But as we recite these verses in alternate verse, we don't just do it because it's tradition, but we do it because we're saying scripture together. So as we say it together, let the words ruminate us. Let us digest them and understand what they really mean. So it's Psalm 1 and we'll say this by alternate verse. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord 
and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves do not wither, whether they do prospers. Not so the wicked, they are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Unfortunately, what I wanted to talk about this morning, I cannot physically bring, but I wonder what you could tell me what this image is. Anybody know what that is? Amaze, yeah, you might actually recognise the next one, um, which is the Peace Maze at Castle Wellen Forest Park. And I don't know if, like me, you have got lost from time to time in this maze. But let's go to the next slide. We have a little maze, and I'm going to give you a couple of minutes to see if you can work it out. There's a clear start, and there's a clear finish, isn't there? But sometimes we find it hard to get our way around. We almost just want to go straight across from the start to the finish. Maybe you have found yourself in the middle of a maze and you've come to a dead end and it's just easier sometimes to actually go back to the beginning. You see, life can sometimes be like a maze. We have choices to make every day, loads of choices. What we eat, what we wear, what we do with our day. And yet sometimes we don't know the way to go. Sometimes we can take the wrong path and we need to go back to the start. You see, Jesus knew that sometimes life was a bit of a maze. He lived this life so he knows exactly what it was like. And he knew that things could be difficult. And as Jesus left this world, he prayed for his disciples. He prayed that they would have a guide. Because he was their guide on earth, guiding them through the maze of life. And although Jesus isn't here physically with us, he is still our guide. And when life becomes a little bit like a maze... We have Jesus, we have our Bible as our guide, and we also have prayer, our ultimate communication with God, our Creator. So as we go through life, whatever it may throw at us, however difficult the maze of life may be, may we always remember that Jesus is our guide. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you sent your son Jesus to earth to live this life, to experience what we experience every day, the joys and the trials. And so we pray that whenever we get stuck in life, when life becomes a little bit like a maze, when we need to go back to the start and re-look at what we're doing, Lord, that you would be with us, that you would be our guide, that you would be the one that lights the path before us. In Jesus' name, amen. Kirsty is going to bring us our reading for today. The reading is from Ruth, 
chapter 3 verses 1 to 18. One day Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi said to her, My daughter, I must find a home for you where you will be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose woman you have worked, is a relative of ours. Tonight he will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. Wash, put on perfume and then go dressed in your best clothes. Then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he is lying. Then go and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what to do. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. So she went down to the threshing floor and did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. When Boaz was finished eating and drinking and was in good spirits, he went to lie down at the far end of the grain pile. Ruth approached quietly, uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? he asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are a guardian redeemer of our family. The Lord bless you, my daughter, he replied. This kindness is greater than what we have shown earlier. We have not run after the other men, for they were from her. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you all you ask. All the people of my town know that you are a woman of mobile character. Although it is true that I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is another who is more closely related than I. Stay here for the night, and in the morning, if he wants to do his duty as your guardian redeemer, good, let him redeem you. But if he is not willing, as surely as the Lord lives, I will do it. Lie here until morning. So she lay at his feet until morning, but got up before anyone could be recognised. And he said, No one must know that a woman came to the threshing floor. He also said, Bring me the shawl you're wearing and hold it out. When she did so, he poured into it six measures of barley and placed the bundle on her. Then he went back to town. When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi asked, How did it go, my daughter? Then she told her everything Boaz had done for her. Anne added, He gave me these six measures of barley, saying, Don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. Then Naomi said, Wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Thank you to Kirsty uh, for reading for us today. Let's just pray uh, as we come before God's Word. Father God, we thank you that your Word is living and active and speaks today into your hearts and to your minds. Lord, we pray that or, as our hearts and minds are open um, towards what you might have to say to us, that it will be your Word and not my words that falls deep in our souls. In your name, Amen. Amen. So we're continuing um, this series in the Book of Ruth. Um, the best is yet to come. This is a story of ordinary people uh, facing everyday ordinary challenges, just like you and I experience. And the grief has been compounded. Do you remember? Um, Naomi lost her husband and her two sons. Um, Ruth and her sister-in-law, Oprah, lost their husbands. This sense of tragedy has driven them. Naomi had traveled to a foreign place um, in order that she could escape the famine that was over the nation of Israel and Judah at this time. But at the heart of this story is the providence, the faithfulness of God. We've heard that grief is important. It's something that we carry with us. It's never something that we can throw away. Some days it's a, it's a burden every day in one sense, but 
Some days we feel that we can carry it, and there's other days where we feel that the grief that's within us is almost too difficult to carry. But grief is an important part of our journey. And we heard that the God who makes himself known in the valley of the shadow is the God who we can trust, no matter where we find ourselves. We're encouraged to lift up our hearts to remain open to him. Last week, Stephen encouraged us in our graciousness, in our gentleness, and how we interact. And this week, as we continue the story, we think about redemption. This, these two key words today is the kinsman redeemer. They seem a bit strange, certainly in our culture, a kinsman redeemer. We'll come to that a little bit later. But you see, this story of Ruth and Boaz is we're now in the middle of it. And this story of Ruth and Boaz, the, the place where once they were acquaintances, uh, then they kind of uh, become friends, and then there's a courtship, uh, and we will see a little bit later on that that moves into marriage. This is a new level in the relationship today. Today we see that the, the level in the relationship where the kind of the spark that was initiated last week in the field, uh, the spark gets a little bit of um, encouragement, if you like. Uh, it's encouraged to grow. So what does this kinsman redeemer actually mean? It seems like a strange kind of phrase. But a kinsman redeemer literally means someone who rescues uh, or delivers you. Someone who rescues or who delivers you. And so in this culture um, that we're walking in, in this particular story, this culture was a place that whenever um, a female lost her husband uh, or the closest male relatives who were looking after her, then the closest male relatives stepped in. Now remember, in this culture, in this context, uh, females could not earn money. And so the man steps in to look after, to rescue the lady. And it was the closest male in the lineage who was supposed to do that. And so the kinsman redeemer actually is a huge part of this culture. It's a huge part of this culture if you're the one who has been bereaved and left widowed. But it's also a huge part of this culture if you are the kinsman redeemer. Because the kinsman redeemer takes on everything that belongs to the one who has died. Now, that means if the individual has lots of property, they take that on. But it also means if they have lots of debt or a huge amount of children, they take all of that on as well. And so this is an awesome responsibility for whoever is the kin kinsman redeemer. Now it's worth noting that in the last chapter, um, Ruth had caught the eye of Boaz in the field. Do you remember that? Uh, where he walks into the field and he, he says to the person who's in charge of the field, who's she? Over there, over there. Who's she? And so we can begin to see that little spark initiated 
But at the heart of this story is, as we said, the providence of God. We've already sung today, what a faithful God have I. The faithfulness of God that He would place Ruth into the field of the one who would become her kinsman redeemer. But as we'll see uh, today, he actually isn't the closest male relative. And so there's a number of hoops and steps that he has to go through in order for him to take on the responsibility of being the kinsman redeemer. Now, in the previous chapter, whenever Ruth caught the eye of Boaz, we don't hear that Boaz caught the eye of Ruth. That's kind of important in a relationship, isn't it? That initial spark where you kind of look and you, you think each other is nice. Um, often that's part of the story that you will hear, isn't it? Well, whether Ruth was shy, like me, <laughs> uh, or, or she needed a little nudge, um, like me, her mother-in-law gave her one. Now, let's read verses 1 and 2. One day Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, My daughter, should I not try to find a home for you where you will be well provided for? Is not Boaz with whose servant girls you've been a kinsman of ours? Tonight he'll be winnowing in the barley and the threshing floor. He's a kinsman, but he's not the kinsman redeemer. In other words, he's a relative, but he's not the closest relative. Now, whether Ruth was shy or she needed a nudge, Naomi gave her one. Mother-in-laws are good at that. They're good at giving you a wee nudge every now and again. Now, I have to be careful what I say, because my mother-in-law phones in to listen to the service, so she will be listening to this. <laughs> um, one, of, one of her phrases is this, um, even though you're a minister, you might still get a slap. <laughs> okay. Um, so you can imagine our relationship um, is a good one. It's a fun one in many ways. A lot of admiration and respect for her, but she often will give a nudge in the right way. So Ruth needed that little bit of a nudge from Naomi to say, look, Naomi, the field that you've landed into, this man who has caught, whose eye you, let me get the right way around, this man who you've sparked an interest in, he's one of our kinsmen, he's one of our relatives. Let's pursue this. Let's see if there's something in this. Now, that, that seems quite kind of almost a detail that you could, a detail that you could set back and say there's not really that much in that. You know, somebody said, oh, look here, I think maybe you should, you know, two years would be good together. Off you go. It almost seems as if it's a forgetful note. Now, Naomi was the outspoken one at the beginning of this story. Naomi was the one who was the driver in the story whenever they were in the land of Moab uh, with her daughters-in-law. She was the one who directed the story. Then when she arrived back in Israel, do you remember? Almost as if something shifted or changed in her and suddenly said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, because my life is now bitter. It's as if she had allowed her circumstances to now change her. Well, it seems as if she's moved through that moment. And often grief is like that. There are different stages of grief. And so grief is like that. There will be times and seasons in our lives that we find very difficult. But there will be times whenever we can return to more like ourselves 
And it seems as if Naomi is doing that. She's back almost directing the story and saying, here, Ruth, seriously, get your act together. There's something in this. But you see, in this, she goes on in verses 3 and 4 to describe to Ruth what she should do. We join the story in verse 5. And Ruth says, I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. I will do whatever you say, Ruth answered. She's doing what her mother-in-law says, just like me. I always do what my mother-in-law says. It's an extra birdie point whenever she's listening to this. But Ruth has integrity in this. She recognizes that Naomi still has a place in her life. That Naomi still has a quality and and the authority to speak into her life. And so Ruth is beginning to show her integrity. And we see that borne out as we travel on through the rest of this story today. See, in verses 7 through to 11, we hear whenever Ruth appears to this threshing floor at night and she finds Boaz uh, asleep. Now, it implies that maybe he'd had a little bit too much to drink and he was very, very sound asleep in verse 7. He was drinking and was in good spirits. But he was sound asleep. And Ruth lay down at his feet. She didn't disturb him. And he wakes up in the middle of the night and he's like, Oh, who are you? Where'd you come from? What are you doing here? Because this shouldn't be. This shouldn't be because actually the only females who will visit me in the middle of the night on a threshing floor are the only ones in the culture who earn money. And so, why are you here? What's going on? And she begins the story of, I I am your kinsperson. Pull back the bottom of your cloak and allow me to be warmed. And so he exposes his feet and the cloak from there begins to warm her. But the integrity in her, and actually the integrity of Boaz in this moment, means that there is no advantage taken of each other in this moment. They hold true to the integrity. And at the end, is with that, that, that particular part, Boaz says, look, wait here till morning. And then we can leave quietly, but, I, but I'm going to sort this out before the end of day. I'm going to sort this out before the end of day so there's no misunderstanding from anybody else in our community about what is going on here. There can be no tittle-tattle, no tales told. We want this to be honest and true. It's basically what Boaz is saying. But in the middle of that, Ruth gives him a little nudge. See, in verse 10 it says, The Lord bless you, my daughter. He replied, that's Boaz. The kindness is greater than that which you showed earlier. You've not run after younger men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, don't be afraid. I will do for you what you ask. And all my fellow townsmen will know that you are a woman of noble character. Ruth shows Boaz that she is willing to become his wife. Even though there are richer and younger men in the town, she's willing to receive him. 
There's a moment there where she, in a sense, is giving him a little nudge and saying, here, Boaz, hurry up, would ye, for goodness sake. Now, just as my mother-in-law is good at giving me a nudge, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, and my wife's good at giving me a nudge every so often um, as well. There's a story in there, uh, but that'll come out another day, about marriage and about me holding back and being a little bit too shy, maybe. Um, There's one for another day. But you see, in this is the moment where Ruth says it's possible for this relationship to grow. But she doesn't spoil the relationship. And neither does Boaz. Because they both know that redemption is coming. See, verse 12 says this. Although, uh, although it is true, I am a near kin. There is a kinsman redeemer nearer than I. Boaz knows that he does not have the rightful place to rescue Ruth and Naomi. But he says, before the end of the day, I'm going to put this right. And we'll hear about that next week. And that's a really, really key point in this story. How, how Boaz goes about this with gentleness, but with authority and with integrity. See, Boaz is a man of integrity too. And that's why, in a sense, the two of them are really well matched. And before Ruth leaves that morning, he once again offers food to her. In fact, he tells her to open her shawl in verse 15. And he pours in six measures of barley. That's a huge amount of barley. Now, this is the barley that's in the threshing floor. This isn't the scraps at the edge of the field. This is the good stuff. This is the really good stuff. Now, the cynic in me almost wants to say, because he also says, take that home. Whenever Ruth goes with it to Naomi, she says, Ruth, or Boaz didn't want me to come empty-handed to you. Boaz give that as a wee sweetener to his mother-in-law. But either way, his generosity is overflowing. He knows there's something in this. And deep down inside him, he knows that he is the one who is going to redeem. And even if Ruth didn't deserve grace, she received it in bucket loads. And that is the truth of the gospel that we carry today. Our Redeemer, Jesus Christ, gave his life to rescue you and I, that we might know grace like never before, even when we don't deserve it. And so in the midst of our upheaval, in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our rebellion against God, in the midst of our walking away from Him, He throws grace at us through His death on the cross because He has redeemed all of that for us. He is our kinsman redeemer today. He's the one who steps in to deliver and to redeem you and I. And remember, the genealogy and the lineage of Jesus comes from Boaz and Ruth. And so the very story 
of God's redemptive purpose for all of humankind is being told through this story as well. And so it is the providence of God that these two have come together. They leave a legacy that they could not have dreamed or even thought of. But then they had to wait. See, verse 16, When Ruth came to her mother-in-law, Naomi, how did go, my daughter? And then she told her everything that Boaz had done for her and added, he gave me these six measures of barley, saying, don't go back to your mother-in-law empty-handed. And Naomi said, wait, my daughter, until you find out what happens, for the man will not rest until the matter is settled today. Know this, that God is in the stops just as much as he is in the steps. In those moments where we have to wait, he is in those stops just as much as he is in the steps whenever we move forward. The waiting can be hard. You can just almost imagine the anticipation, the excitement, the nerves, the anxiety that was running through Ruth knowing what Boaz had set out to do and couldn't wait to hear the results of it. In our waiting, may we know our kinsman redeemer is with us. May we know that Jesus is with us. That he is not only with us, but that he goes before us preparing the way. And may we step out in faith, in the knowledge that his providence, his faithfulness is changing our story. So the hope and the grace that we carry makes a difference in the world around us. Let's pray. Father God, thank you that you have called us. Thank you that you have found us. That you redeem us and deliver us. In this moment, may your grace and your forgiveness visit us afresh and anew, and through this story of Ruth and Boaz, may we see and understand that you are with us, that your hand of faithfulness is upon us, and that even in the many stops, you're still there, ready to take the next step with us. In your name. Amen. We continue in a time of prayer. God of yesterday, tomorrow and today, we are children of the world you love and care for. We praise you, Heavenly Father, for calling us into relationship with you. We praise you, Lord Jesus, for the power of your name and the protection of your prayers. We praise you, Holy Spirit, for your guidance and gifts that enable us to draw others to you. For you are faithful in times of uncertainty, strong when we are weak, and the breath of all our being. 
the energy of all our doing and the peace of all our resting. Jesus, thank you for the gift of your life, the incredible love demonstrated through your death on the cross, the victory won through your resurrection from the tomb, and the power released through your ascension into heaven and the sending of your spirit. Jesus, our Redeemer, we thank you that you have lived this life, that you experience, you've experienced every joy and every challenge, and that even now you do not miss a thing in our lives. In our waiting, in our longing, you are with us. And for that, we are ever grateful. So as we experience joys and challenges, the maze of life, Lord, we pray that by your spirit, you would awaken us to your presence with us. For whatever we go through, we are not alone. Lord of life and death, we give you thanks for your death on a cross. We give you thanks that you give us life and you give it to the full. We pray for everyone this morning who is grieving, whether it be recent or a long time ago, that they would know that you catch every tear, that you are their comfort and their peace. Lord, we rejoice because we know that for us, death is not the end. Death has no sting. And so we pray that you would be with all who grieve this day. Father God, we give you thanks that we have not been alone in the midst of everything that this pandemic has thrown at us. And so, Lord, as lockdown eases, as restrictions reduce, we pray for those with anxiety and for any form of mental health who find it difficult to re-socialise, who find the prospect of normal scary. Lord, we pray that they would know you are with them, that you are their peace and their protector. God of peace, we give you thanks. We give you thanks that you are the one who calms any storm in our lives, any disagreements, any wars. And so we lift up to you today the nation of Israel. Father, we pray that you would protect your people, that you would intervene in the lives of those who are causing disruption, that you would be their peace and their guide in the midst of turmoil. We take a moment to pray for our local community. We pray for our neighbours on our right and on our left. 
We pray for those that we are sitting with worshipping this morning. We pray for our local shops, our local schools. Father, we pray that you would be the light within our community, that you would use us as your vessels to be your hands and feet in a needy world. We pray for businesses who are struggling, that you would be their provider. We pray for schools and for teachers. We pray for all those who strive to make our community a flourishing one, a better one. And so, Lord, as your people, equip us to be your hands and your feet. Lord, as your disciples in the world today, we thank you that your word of truth, your prayer of power, and your heart of love continues to protect, inspire, and unite us as we live out our faith, build up our relationships, and hold the world before you in prayer. And so this morning we bring before you our brothers and sisters who worship you in secret, who worship you in fear. Father, may we never take it for granted that we can come to this building this morning, that we can watch online without fear that we will be persecuted. Father, we pray for those who are unable to do that this morning. that you would be their sustainer, that they would know you as their redeemer. A collect for the day. O God, the King of glory, you have exalted your Son, Jesus Christ, with great triumph to your kingdom in heaven. Mercifully give us faith to know that as he promised, he abides with us in, on earth to the end of time. He is alive and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We say together the prayer that our Father once taught us, saying, Our Father, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Just before we end our service this morning, there's just a few announcements of things that are going to be coming up this week. DVK, our children's ministry, they are taking a little break just for two weeks and then we'll be back with another four-week programme. But I'll send a little email to parents uh, to update you on everything that's happening. Life Groups, which is our version of Home Groups, meet on a Wednesday evening at 8 o'clock um, where we take the passage and the sermon from Sunday a little bit deeper in smaller groups. 
that invitation is always open to anyone. So if you would like to join a life group, please do let James or I know. Last week, we announced uh, that we would be doing our fundraising walk for the project Communicating Clearly. Now, I don't know if you're like me and you get out of breath when you're walking up the stairs, uh, but all of us can take on a part with this. Um, if you'd like to sign up for that, whether you can just do a mile a day or if it's just going up the stairs every day, you can sign up uh, on your way out the door or online and there's a little link for you to sign up there. We announced uh, last week was Christian Aid Week and they are unable uh, to do their fundraising as they would normally do from door to door. Um, you'll see little envelopes uh, at the door. If you would like to give to Christian Aid, you can pop something in there and just put it in the collection plate and that'll be there for the next couple of weeks. We're continuing to support the work of Lisburn Food Bank as they make up food parcels for those in the Lisburn area who are in need. And there's a few things that they need for their stock um, at the moment. They need dog food, uh, washing up liquid, any cleaning products including cloths and bleach, and particularly size six nappies. So if you are out doing your groceries this week and you have a little bit extra, please do pick something up and you can pop it in the box at the front um, next week. As we leave this morning, let us pray. As we leave this place, Lord, may our prayers be just the beginning. May our worship, our time here, and what we have learned, what we have discovered, lead us into action. May our lives be full of worship every hour, every day. We ask this in the name of Jesus, whose life was an offering of worship to you. Amen. And a blessing um, from Pete Gregg, who is the founder of 24-7 Prayer. May this day bring Sabbath rest to our hearts and homes. May God's image in us be restored. May the gravity of material things be lightened and the relativity of time slow down. May we know grace to embrace our own finite smallness in the arms of God's infinite greatness. May God's word feed us and his spirit lead us into the week and life to come. Amen.